Welcome back to the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you with a birdie putt from inside the Punch Bowl Green on number 17 of Sand Valley. And this is Season 3, Episode 2. This is the opening of the Americans in Wisconsin Roundtable with erstwhile friends of the show, Matt and Fred. In this episode, we discuss Sand Valley, the resort, the playing experience, and the brilliant Corn Crenshaw Golf Course just west of the middle of nowhere near Nakusa, Wisconsin. Don't bother looking for Sand Valley on your Google Maps app. It's not there. It's so remote that Google hasn't bothered to reroute their satellites over the area since the courses opened there a few years ago. This is a discussion about caddies, golf architecture, and tacos. Before we get to the good stuff, a reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is a member of the Talkin' Golf Network of Shows, which you can find at TalkinGolf.com. That's just one G where you'll find a great list of the best podcasts for serious golfers and an outdated list of the hosts of said shows, and almost no mention of me whatsoever. They say that all comes after I complete my pledge semester, so stay stay tuned, and we'll see what happens. You can interact with this show on Twitter at BlindShotsPod, as well as over on Instagram, and I certainly encourage you to please do so. Tell me you love the show, tell me that I've got it all wrong, just so long as you tell me. Finally, a reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is sponsored by me, David Hill. In addition to playing, talking, and writing about golf, I'm a licensed Kentucky realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors. Golf is a hobby about which I am passionate, but believe it or not, my real passion is working with homeowners, buying and selling their homes, and also working with investors and businesses on their commercial real estate needs here in Central Kentucky. You can find my contact information over at davidhill.rhr.com. Do you have a real estate question? Want to know what a realtor can do for you? Reach out to me and we can start a conversation. And with that, we'll get on to this first roundtable discussion. Okay, Fred, I want to let you lead off with this one. We knew going in that it was walking only. So what did you think? What were you? How were you mentally prepared and physically prepared to go to Sand Valley where you knew it was going to be walking only? So maybe I'm not the right person to start with, but um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm like, I, I like to refer to myself as a finely tuned athlete. Um, and I, I didn't, I don't give it much. Uh, I, I, I don't think I give it preparation that maybe I need to. Right. I mean, I walk, you know, I walk playing golf. Sometimes I walked with Matt a couple of times this year, walk down to the pond. I do stuff. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel as though walking is like, you know, that big of a deal when it comes to golfing. Right. And I knew we were going to have caddies and stuff, but I will say that I, I underestimated the impact of that terrain and, and walking it for two, you know, what, what 72 holes or more. It, it says it right there in the name sand Valley. Well, something mm-hmm. had to make that has to be a Valley of something mammoth, dunes that means that's that translated to english that means big sand not not sand flat plain of easy grades okay both of you hush (laughs) i can take both of you to golf courses with the word valley in it and you know mammoth whatever and they they look just like every other parkland course you ever played (laughs) so don't don't start down that road with me either one of you matt what about same question to you the, the prospect of, you know, our trip, it's 36 a day, plus maybe some other shenanigans. Um, 
walking. That's more than what we did in our Americans in Scotland adventures. True. Very true. And, and uh, I, I may not be the finely tuned athlete that Fred is, but um, I do have a tendency to presume that whatever is in front of me, I will just find a way to gut my way through. Um, and I do, you know, like Fred, I walk, you know, periodically, um, borderline frequently, um, when it comes to golf, um, I, it, it was, it was a little bit more, um, it was a little bit more than I probably gave it credit for. Um, it was, and it's funny, you know, you guys sent out a lot of, cause it wasn't just you, we, we, we were getting all sorts of peanut gallery stuff about, you know, we need to, we need to bring this or, or wear that, or make sure you've got this or whatever. And, and I, I almost doubled down on Chad's uh, comment about what, wondering if we were playing golf or going to Nam, because, you know, it was, it was, there were a lot of things to prepare for. And I ignored almost all of them, but I did tell uh, your friend, John Mark, that the one I should not have ignored was the shoe comment. Um, my shoes were the same ones that we were wearing while being Americans in Scotland, oh. which, was, which was not recent. And I said, oh, it'll be fine. Um, that was not fine. Oh, that, my goodness. That was, that was the one that got me. Um, other than that, it was tight. Look, it was it was tiring for sure. I, I had a caddy the first day for both rounds. I carried my bag the second day. Um, I didn't find it to be dramatically different as far as the impact on me. Um, how many strokes did that cost you? Do you think the, the fatigue? Well, what's funny is I played so I played so dreadfully on the first day. Itself. <laughs> um, maybe one or two, maybe a couple. Okay. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's dramatic, but if I think I'd be lying if I told you that it wasn't that there wasn't some impact. The, that 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 approach on eighteen might have been a little longer. That second, yeah, yeah, at, I might, at uh, Sand Valley. I might have carried it all the way to the green instead of trying to land it in front and run it up. Yeah. Well, Matt mentioned it, Fred. Now you took a caddy for all four rounds, two at Sand Valley, two at, at Mammoth Dunes. Did you enjoy that experience? Was it something you were like, how comfortable were you? Cause we had great caddies in Scotland. We had, you know, we had guys of different personalities that were entertaining. This was a much longer commitment to a, caddy or multiple caddies so tell me a little bit about your memories of that part of the experience um okay this is this is going to get a little deep maybe but um so my first round at sand valley um i i was the only one in the group that had a caddy so i ended up with the junior caddy which was the the girl i cannot remember her name Actually, I don't remember her name during the round. She said it, but I completely forgot it. And then it was like awkward for the rest of the round. I kept, I didn't know what to call her. Um, but um, that was okay. But I'll be honest with you. She was about the age of my niece and she somewhat resembled my niece a little bit. So every time like she would like go to pick up my bag to carry it, I wanted to carry it. Like, and oh, I, no. I, yeah. Oh, no, no. Chivalry. Right. Chivalry. Yeah. I felt like a caveman, right? You know, I'm like, oh my god. I mean, I so that that probably cost me more shots, strokes that first round than anything else was just the my 
awkwardness around around her um and you guys are laughing because you're probably like oh yeah absolutely i could see how that goes you know because i'm just like you she know my caddy. To... she was a caddy in my group the next day no i know yeah. i was with you I, I think it was no because we would have had a shared a caddy but she was in my yeah. group for for yeah but that's that's fun that you were so oh yeah so put out yeah, it, it really caught me off guard, but she was sweet as possible. I mean, she was great. She didn't she didn't give me a lot of information. She, I think that um, she was more there just as a uh, as a as a uh, this sounds bad, but like a physical caddy. All she did was really carry the clubs. Uh, she didn't say, you know, well, it's about that far to the, if I asked. She would pull out like a rangefinder and tell me, but I mean, I had a rangefinder in my back too. I mean, I could have done that. Um, she didn't read a lot of putts, you know, for me. The the other two guys that we had, you know, they were a lot more, um, like I'll I'll say golf caddies. You know, they they were like, okay, you want to make sure you're on the left side of the fairway here. That opens up the shot. I didn't get a lot from of that from her, um, and I I you know, it was fine. It was fine. Um, the two guys that we had, and I cannot remember their names either. Um, the first guy I had was, he was a lot more enjoyable. You know, he was more of a, you know, I would say it was more of a, um, I was, I was driving the car and, you know, he was just giving me directions. Um, and the other one, I felt like more, I was, I was the caddy chauffeur. <laughs> and I was doing what he wanted me to do more than more than the other way around. Um, I I preferred um, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm horrible with names. I can't remember his name. But the first guy I had, he was he was a lot. He was a lot of fun. He joked around uh, the guy that I had the last two rounds. He was more, um, you know, he would just hand me a club and say, this is what you need to do. And I'm like, but, I, you know, I, I'm thinking about it. he's like, no, nah, you don't want to do that. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And of course, you know, I'm going to argue, right? I'm like, you know, no, 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 that's what I want. So I was like, okay, just, yeah, I'll take that club. Thanks. So mine was, yes, I wanted to be less tired from having somebody else carry my bag, but I wanted the knowledge set. Like those places are so big and, and it's, it's all three D's because there's a lot of land movement up and down elevation, a lot of stuff, a fair amount of stuff is hidden. Um, that, you know, I paid for the knowledge and, and my caddies were great for that. I mean, they were like a, a living, breathing yardage book, drone flyover combination. So everything I could want, maybe a little micromanagement around the greens, but you know what? I needed it that day. But now, Matt, what was kind of your take on the day of caddies? Yeah, I thought, I thought the caddies that we had um, were, were good. I, I found them to be, I would say, somewhere right in the middle of of the ones that I've had as far as what they offered. Um, you know, we I had um I had the the same gentleman that Fred had second and the one that he had third, I think. Um the, the guy that Mark had a couple of times. Um and yes, I, I would agree that. You know, one was a little, the, the second gentleman was a little more, um, pushy's, pushy's a little strong, but he had, he had some opinions and was 
more committed to them than the first guy. The first guy was was much more, how do you want to play this? And the second was, this is how you should play this. Um, Did you have a now, preference? I'm, was one of those a, like a bad flashback to a coach that you just couldn't stand? No, <laughs> no, because... Because I'm like Fred, I I do not suffer from quite the the awkwardness problem. Um, I have I have no problem telling the the second guy, yeah, that's not what we're doing. Give me this. And, uh, <laughs> give me. I'm playing four iron. That's yeah, I know. I know it's not. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so it, it didn't bother me. Um, I I could you know I could handle either one. I what I can't you know I need somebody who's you know, gonna, I'm best with somebody who can kind of give and take with me a little bit, not afraid to tell me that, you know, Hey, the fourth guy out of the trap does, does really well. You know, yeah. maybe you should try not hitting it four times out of the trap. Little, little um, Don Rickles you know, goes a long way, but it was an overall net positive for you. Right. Even though yeah. it was different personalities. Uh, I'll tell it you. Was, yes. Overall, overall it's, I, I think they added to, added to the trip and what i would say is that a place like that i had i had caddies the first day and i did not the second day and part of the reason for that was the same thing same reason that you said which is i needed a little bit of direction as far as where on the earth i could go or where i should go um and by the second day i knew where i missed the last time and i'm probably going to miss in most of the same places Agreed. You know, and, and in contrast, to all of us, our mutual friend, John Marks, swore up and down that he was he invested in a really skinny, light carry bag and a, a very fancy, um, not Yeti, but one of those those fancy water bottles that ultra light that would be cold all day long. He made it exactly 18 holes before he broke down and got a pull cart. Um, surprised he didn't go caddy uh, as bad as he felt after 18 holes. But um so that was the cat experience. I'd recommend it if somebody's traveling up there, you know, for however many rounds. If you're going around more than once, take a caddy at least once to to show you around the place. Um, talk a little bit about the. We'll do this in reverse and talk a little bit about Sand Valley. Uh, do our trip in reverse. The thing that caught my attention more than anything was just the scale of those places. You know, it, we've played in the middle of nowhere. I felt like Boyne was, yes, there's a giant body of water there, but that was pretty close to in the middle of nowhere. So there was kind of a reference point there, but um, just the size and shape and scope of those big sand dunes kind of stopped and say, oh, okay. Um, it was that, and I, I felt like there was a huge... Pinehurst Tobacco Road Dormy Club aesthetic there that just struck me and never let go. Like I, I couldn't, I didn't feel like there was a lot of differentiation. I've never had so much deja vu on a golf course. Like, you know, they did Dormy Club. That's Core Crenshaw. They're the ones that did Sand Valley. So I saw a lot of the same, same things, uh, same similar concepts, definitely the same aesthetic with the scraped sand and the native waste bunkering and all of that. Um, so what, you know, if sun comes up on the first morning or even driving in there, what were your first impressions, Matt, of what you, what you saw uh, as part of the experience? 
first impression is they need some damn signage because John Mark and I couldn't figure out where the hell you guys were. But second impression, um, yeah, it, the scale, um, you everywhere you look, it seemed you saw only one hole on for the whole drive up. You know, you didn't, there wasn't a situation where you drove up and you're like, okay, there's that one. And on the other side of that is another one. Everywhere you were looking, it was it was at one hole, and the next hole must be somewhere else because you don't see it. Um, now it might be tucked behind a dune or something like that. Um, but yeah, that was and and like you said, there is nothing in a in a way that is a little bit different from the places we've been because I felt like you could kind of see a long way. At some of the other nothing, you know, nothing around places, there were a lot of trees in your way. Um, whereas here, you know, it's it's just it seems like it goes on for a really long time, and you notice that there's nothing in every direction. Fred, same to you. What what grabbed your attention first? Um, you know, I felt it was a lot like going to uh, Forest Dunes. Uh, you know, drive and drive and drive and make the left, drive, 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 make a left. You know, you saw some houses along the road and then boom, you're at the driveway and you got to drive another, you know, two miles down the driveway to the golf course. Um, driving up to it, I mean, you know, it was, I was kind of awestruck, you know, I mean, it just, you're like, my goodness, you know, all this is here for, you know, two golf courses. Um, driving back the little lane, you could see bits and pieces of it. I was, I think I was in your car, Dave. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sliding from, you know, I feel like the little kid going to, you know, Kings Island or something, you know, I'm on one side of the car and I slide over to the other side, look out the other window. Right. I mean, um, there was, there was a lot to, a lot to kind of absorb, but not a lot to see if that makes any sense. Um, I will say that, uh, I've been thinking about this question cause I knew you would ask and to Matt's point, you know, when he said it's, it's, there's, it's vast. Okay. I think that's a good word for it. You know, especially standing on the first tee at, you know, um, sand Valley, you're looking out, you can see the hole in front of you that goes out little dog leg to the left. Um, but I, I felt as though that that is one of the things that like core and Crenshaw used. I don't want to say against you, but it's, it's one of their tools that they use. It's super hard to, you look out there, like, oh, I can just hit it right there. And like Matt said, you can see everything in front of you. So you're like, well, I'll just hit it over there. Well, you can't hit it right there because there's a giant, you know, Satan bunker, you know, over this little mound and you don't know it's there. Right. Um, it, it looks like it's just right there for you to hit. And um, I found myself in a lot of situations playing super aggressive when I had no reason to be super aggressive and I'm not super aggressive to begin with. Um, I think that that's just one of the things that they use, especially at dormy club is the same. I, you get the same feeling, right? Um, I think it's number five or whatever that goes, you know, down and it's that like little, little slingshot down to the left and there's a pond behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you get up there, you, you hit a good drive and you're still pretty far away, but you don't feel like you're that far away because the green is sitting right there. Um, and you're like, well, I'm just going to hit this three wood and goodness gracious, you hit a three wood and it rolls 400 yards down the hill into the pond. And you're like, what just happened? <laughs> you know? So it, I felt like the holes are sitting right there in front of you and I couldn't see 
I don't want to call it the danger, but I couldn't see the obstacles in front of me for the golf course. Now that could be just my problem. You know, there's a par fives there. You're like, oh my gosh, I can hit this anywhere I want. Um, uh, you couldn't because I hit it where you weren't supposed to a bunch of times. Clay Wortham disproved that theory. Oh yeah, <laughs> he did. Um, no, but it, to your point, and that is, you're right. That is a signature of the the Bill Corb Ben Crenshaw design. Is that it's yes, you you can have the whole world as your landing area. But how's your angle going to be on the next one? Um, and that can be determinative of, and that really is determinative. And, and it's so much of it is the pin position of the day too. Um, the, the thing that struck me about the actual golf course, yes, you can be in a, in a 70, 80 yard wide fairway or thereabouts, but the, those greens are so massive. They have such a huge surface area and probably six, nine pin positions on some of them available. It's not just front, back, middle um, grid. It, it's there's putting greens and then there's a little um, there's a green and then a little shelf and then there's more green. Um, yeah. And some of them you, you could play on to you by aiming away. I like that. That's the tobacco road play for me, you know, aim away from the flag to get it close. That's a, that's an aspect of their design and that I found at Sand Valley specifically that I enjoyed. Um, did you do you remember seeing any greens that big? Other than Mammoth Dunes, because that's the next course and that's its MO is that it's actually bigger than Sand Valley. I don't believe so. Now that you mention it, no. Matt? No. No, I was trying to think. I no, I don't think. I mean, they're they're I think the difference is it's not that they have some greens that are large, right? Because there are some courses where you'll play where you can say, oh, I can fit an entire house on this green. Right. It's that every damn green is that big. Right. And that, that I think is the difference. And a lot of them are semi-blind. You're hitting up from somewhere where you can't see the entire putting surface. So you're, you're, you're aiming at a tree or a rock or uh, heaven knows what else. And, you know, that's where the kind of the caddies came in. You had to just trust them because there was a lot of hit and hope there because you weren't going right at the flag. I thought with such a vast area, you know, and it's not like the there's trees everywhere in the background, but they are way in the background. I mean, it's not like it's a tree lined playing corridor. So it's almost a depth perception issue sometimes for me um, on the way it plays. I love the concept of that course, though. I mean, you could. You could literally just hit punch shot after punch shot and let the ball run along the ground. If you weren't, if you were a bad golfer and you just had, or you just had a bad day and were topping shots, you could still play it. You weren't, you know, hunting for your ball or, or going to run out. I played either the first day or the second day on one ball the entire day, both, both rounds. And that was, but I didn't think that was some kind of amazing feat. I feel like those are designed to probably encourage that kind of play. I lost one ball and that's because I didn't go look for it. <laughs> Couldn't be bothered. That's well, it was, it was, I assure you it was not worth it at that point, but um, yeah, no. And I, 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 we're not the only ones. I heard multiple of the guys say they, you know, they played one ball for two rounds or, or they lost 
two balls the entire weekend or whatever. Yeah, it's it's just it's so vast. It's so there's so much room that when you screw it up and you hit it, you know, you push it with a slice. You, I mean, it's a crappy walk, but you can go find it. That's the thing. The full 180 degrees of forward is in play there because there's nothing that's going to stop your ball on most of those shots. You might run into a waste area. It'll eventually stop rolling. If you hit it into a, at the side of a dune or a, a bunker prop, you know, they have both, but there's not any, there's no ricochet off anything out there. It, it's incredible that that full spectrum of everything in front of your ball is in play. And some of it maybe even right beside you, as I, I discovered on, I guess that was mammoth dunes where I was under a tree. We'll come back to that one. Um, any other thoughts? The We'd be remiss to, to bring up the topic of Sand Valley without mentioning maybe the most unique and special aspect of it, which would be the tacos and the ice cream sandwiches. Is there any reason for any halfway house to serve really, honestly, to serve anything other than chicken tacos and ice cream sandwiches with something to drink? David. Oh, Matt, go no, ahead. No, I, I'm taking it. This, this is something that is that important to me. You see, when Fred was here thinking about what you were going to ask him and how he was going to answer the, the what were your first impression questions, I was thinking, how am I going to describe these tacos? <laughs> so the only thing that I can compare it to, and I, and I thought, okay, where does this rank on the spectrum of all of the food that we've had on all of the different trips? And the only thing that, that had the same endorphin rush were the granola bars at the Russex Hotel at St. Andrews. And that's it. Other than that, there was, there was nothing else that can touch it. And that includes the, the fried chicken dinner where I licked my plate after. Um, no, I, the, the, the $1.50 chicken tacos. That's the other part. With, They're basically free. It's like the dollar yeah. hot dog at Costco. It's it's ridiculous. And basically free. And well, they're they're not when you eat as many as I did. <laughs> but the and you pair it with with the crazy good ice cream sandwich that you know the mint chocolate chip or uh, Brian had a, a raspberry lemon one that he said was even better. Um, uh, they are phenomenal. Like not good, phenomenal. For the record, for people, just so you understand why we're going on and about these ice cream sandwiches, this is not a a 64-pack bought at some warehouse. These are two full-size cookies, two full-size cookies with inch, inch and a quarter of ice cream jammed in between them and yep. then all frozen together and individually packaged and sold. And, and ladies and gentlemen, please, please. Let them soften slightly before you eat them. You're not going to want to. One hole. Yes, you have to. That you need a little slide to it between the cookie and the ice cream, because those that didn't said, "eh, they're fine." Those that did, just delectable. The first time around, I got two, so I got a hard one and a soft one. The soft one was better. Mm -hmm. Fred, anything to add to our culinary critique? Um. My only problem, my only problem with the tacos is that you, well, I know that Matt did, but I'm saying that it would be extremely hard for me to eat one of those at the turn because they are delicious. Windows delicious food is messy. 
Okay. Messy. I mean, you got juice running down your elbow. I mean, Matt's licking his arm to get the stuff off of it. I mean, I just, I could not eat them. I could not eat them at the turn. It would have been impossible. Look, you can throw the other guys in your group off when you're licking your elbow as you're walking down the fairway. It's, it's I mean, super. match it match was like gamesmanship. It was disturbing. Okay, I, I mean, I wasn't in Matt's group. I don't believe. I think he was walking down as we were teeing off, and here comes Matt. You know, coming down the hill to the tenth tee, licking about his forearm up to his, you know, up to his wrist. Because he's got a taco that's dripping out of the other end of it <laughs> while he's licking the juice off of the other end. Yeah, that it was quite happened. a scene. Yeah, it was quite the scene, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but after the round, oh yeah, they were fabulous. To finish the trip. I mean, absolutely fabulous. There's when you're saying goodbye, when you're getting ready to say your goodbyes at and to Sand Valley, um, there's a little little natural amphitheater porch deck complex. Uh, above the 18th hole of the Sand Valley course. And as far as places to catch a sunset, man, I mean, maybe the clubhouse at Kapalua in Hawaii, but just watching the sun go down against a hazy sky with a taco in one hand and an ice cream sandwich in the other, tired <laughs> a, tired after a good hard day of walking. I mean, I, I should have been more sore. I just kind of floated down that hill back to the cabin. I was mentally, I was all done at that point. I was as happy as I was going to get. Um, so that was, you tell by the, the way our trip goes, we played Sand Valley the first morning, uh, then played Mammoth Dunes that first afternoon, then flipped it and played Mammoth Dunes uh, to start our last day. And, and Sand Valley closed us out. So um, that was something that was something that aesthetic, that memory, uh, that's something I'm going to cherish forever. Before we get to Mammoth Dunes, any closing thoughts on Sand Valley out of either of you two? Anything I didn't bring up? No, I mean, I, I think I'm going to go ahead with this at Sand Valley. I'm, I was trying to remember what the, whether there were significant differences between the greens at Sand Valley and Mammoth. And I, what I found, and I don't, I don't think there were for me. And I don't know if it was just because of the sheer size or the way that they were constructed. I found them incredibly difficult. They were not, it wasn't that they were too fast or too hilly or anything like that. I just could not get a read on these things. And I'm not, I'm not the world's best reader of putts to start with. Um, but I found myself, you know, yeah, there were times where it was, you know, the, the carnival aspect of the caddy tells you, yeah, you need to aim at that sprinkler head that's 60 degrees away from the hole because everything's going to go back there. And you look and you say, well, that's funny. I thought it was going to go in that direction. Um, but so, so there was some of that. But I mean, I don't think I've been less confident over a four foot putt anywhere ever because it might be dead straight. It may move five inches or it may go the exact opposite direction. And I didn't feel like I had any damn idea which it was going to be the whole time. Took me about 27 holes to find it back backside of the, the first day. 
little little minor technique change on my part and it it all started clicking but i was with you because there's there's quad there's sections and quadrants and there's all these little subtle ridge lines that you can't really see if you're standing on them you got to got to look at them um but bending over isn't isn't really an option because uh, you're so tired because your calves don't work anymore everything below the knee is just red meat um so yes i, I can understand that i thought the ones I thought Sand Valley's greens were familiar. Like I saw some some Dormy and some Kapalua there in the Cork Crenshaw. It's not it's not that they're unoriginal, um, but just that kind of that concept. Those I guess I felt more kind of more Tobacco Road there um, at Sand Valley, which is odd because you would think that would be that that McClay kid with his castle course expedition might be the more, the, the descendant, the spiritual descendant of, of Mike strands, but um, no, it's, it's an interesting ob- observation. Um, Fred, what about you? Any sand Valley closing th- thoughts? Um, yeah, I, I think that I agree with both of you um, and they're around the greens uh, t- to Matt's point. I thought that there were a lot more, um, uh, slopes, I'll call them, not just like, you know, ridges and stuff like that, but a lot more big slopes in those greens because they were so big, right? They, they had that ability to put these big, you know, a lot of motion in them. Um, they were big. So a, a big green with a big, with some motion in it is kind of, um, it's more difficult to read, right? Uh, it, it's perspective um, for me anyway. You know, you have a really big green and has this, you know, this, this big motion over here, it's easy to underread that because of the size of everything else around it. Um, so I think I agree with Matt on that aspect. And on the familiarity side, Dave, I agree with you as well, because I think a lot of Sand Valley, from what I remember, is um, like we talked about for like Dormy Club and stuff. It's it's the green complexes that kind of stood out more than anything else. It wasn't, it, it you know, everything was so wide and so open. It there wasn't a lot of things off the tee that you were just like, Oh my gosh, this is, you know, something else. It was, it was, you know, that, that getting to the green was more of the reveal for me playing sand Valley than, than um, mammoth dunes, I would say. I'll say this about both. I thought they really crescendoed and saved their best for last. As far as the routings go. I mean, there were, there were moments and fun shots on the front of, of sand Valley, but those last three, well, the last four holes, last three greens where you could play away from the flag, play into, a, you know, on 16, there was a big knob up to the left. You play up to that and let it feed down to get close to two or three of the pin positions. 17 at Sand Valley immediately became one of my favorite all-time holes. Big uphill punch bowl that you're hitting a, a hybrid or five wood into because you're 215 yards out. And you just look at the pin sheet to see where the flag is. You just kind of hit and hope. And then that, you know, you know, you know, you either hit a good one or, you know, you didn't um, type situation. And then to, to go up there and almost solve the mystery of like, okay, there's my ball mark. There's where my ball ended up. So it had to have done X, Y, or Z. And now I've got this, this look at a, a, depending on where the flag is. Um, Yeah. It's this huge, blind 
punch bowl, there weren't a lot of truly blind shots. There were semi-blinds where you may not be able to see the whole putting surface at Sand Valley, depending on where you were in the fairway or in the approach. But that one was a, that was a truly blind tee shot. And um, yeah, the reveal on that, once you kind of crossed the approach threshold and saw the entirety of the green, I thought it was something really special. And then 18, you're going from there, you're working your way up physically up to the, the snack shack and ice cream heaven um, with this giant, crazy boomerang shaped green that you can't really, you can't believe it. You know, we caught a, a pin position that was almost unbelievable on our second round. Uh, it's a, a green that stand in the middle of the fairway. It's probably 50, 60 yards wide. And we caught a tucked pin all the way in the right. And this little thing about the size of this nine by 12 office I'm sitting in this little quadrant back there hidden. You can't believe there's green there. Cause all you see is this big giant bunker hill complex hiding it. Um, so those three really, of what I remember, those are the memories that are going to be the most vivid, the longest for me at Sand Valley. Because the, the fun of going for those pins was was exciting. And part of that may have been the format. We played that in a scramble. So we got a couple of, couple of shots at each one. We got to see the ball do some different things. Um, okay, I'm going to pull the reins back on this discussion and stop us right there for today. I promise you, the fellas and I have a lot more to say about the Sandbox Short Course and the Mammoth Dunes Course at the Sand Valley Resort, but we'll save those for another episode. Hey, thanks for stopping by for this episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review for the show. Each time that somebody leaves a five-star rating and review for this podcast, Fred gains one more yard on his average driver shot. Hope you enjoyed what you heard here today. If you didn't like what you heard, I'm sorry. I can't do anything about it now, but I promise I will try to do better next time. And I hope you will join me here next time on the Blind Shots Pod. Until then, stay safe, be smart, and remember that fall golf is the time for high-visibility, non-white golf balls. Allegedly. Get out, enjoy the weather on the golf course, and when you have the choice, do decide to go for it and take dead aim. I went, oh my goodness, what is that? Oh, that's what that is. Okay. He gave me a shot of hole and we ended up tying. <laughs> <laughs> and I was shocked I tied him. <laughs>